Well, good morning and welcome everybody to Maranatha. Uh, my name is Steve Niedermeyer. I'm the team lead for our buildings and grounds uh, ministry team here at the church. Uh, Pastor Cody had asked the ministry team leaders to do the announcements for a while uh, so that you can get to see our associate our faces with the ministry lead, uh, teams that we do lead. Um, so uh, with that, I'd like to have all of you just turn to your neighbor and greet them before we begin with announcements. Well, that's great. Um, didn't realize what a difficult time the pastors have up here. Those lights really shine in your eyes. Um, I'd like to also welcome all of the, any, anybody that's joining us um, online for the service. Um, and anybody that's new to Maranatha, um, there's some yellow sheets that you can find in the pews or out on the welcome desk as you walk in. And we'd ask that you'd fill those out so we can get to know you and, and pray for you. And also any existing members of our church, um, if you have prayer wishes or even change in phone number, change in an address, if you'd fill those out for us too. And again, you can drop them off either in the offering box or, um, or at the welcome desk uh, where you come in. Um, also, we have an offering box, which is at the, um, going, out of, uh, going out of the church if you have any tithes or offerings you'd like to give. So for announcements, uh, next Sunday, or obviously this week, um, we have Good Friday services at 6 p.m. on Friday, April 15th. Um, Easter services are on Sunday, um, and they're the normal times for our services, 8.45 and 10 a.m. And this Sunday, or today, is the last day that you can um, purchase some spring flowers to decorate the church for Easter, and you can Take those home with you after services if you'd like, or donate them to uh, a shut-in. I'm sure they'd much appreciate it. Uh, some needs that we have. Benjamin House has some needs. There are, um, they'd like two lamps, a dresser, and two nightstands. And if you can help with any of those items, you can drop them off at 1107 Hart Island Parkway and let them know they're for rooms 208, 210, or 211. Also, Ruby's Pantry is in need of some volunteers. Um, next Saturday um, at 7 a.m. at the Living Waters Church in Cameron, if you could come and help them load some boxes, uh, please dress for the weather and um, bring gloves, <laughs> and then park across the street at the Village Hall um, when you arrive. And then finally, um, the Buildings and Grounds team has uh, set uh, May uh, 21st at 8.30 to do a spring cleanup around the churchyards. We did that last year and have done it previous years. We had a tremendous turnout last year despite the weather. I think it rained and snowed on us the whole time, but uh, oh, we had so many volunteers come out and can't tell you how much we appreciate that to get the church looking really nice for the, for the summer and all the events that we have. So thank you for that and hopefully you can find time in your schedule and join us again uh, this year as we do that. 
And then finally, I'd like to just um, give a recognition to the buildings and grounds team that serves so much of your needs for a church. There's a lot of stuff they do that goes unrecognized and behind the scenes, but we have a, a, just a tremendous, talented, and skilled group of, of people that are on those teams that just take care of this aging church. Um, and and like, like my body, we need to replace and fix things and maintain things, and the church is no different. So, but can't tell you how much... Uh, I appreciate the skills and talents of, of that group, along as well as many of you in the congregation that show up for things like spring cleanup or roof tear-offs or other things that we do have. So um, with that, just uh, thank you so much for all the efforts that you do. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for those who do help out with so much around this building and the other building and the grounds. Again, without having these facilities, there's much ministry that we would be unable to do. So we are very grateful. So I want to take a moment and pray. As you know, each Sunday we're praying, and I would encourage you to grab our prayer and praise sheet on your way in as I pray through some of these things, and on your way out. Take these throughout the week. So I want to go take some time right now, and let's just pray through some of the th- requests that we have here at our church. So join me in prayer as we lift up these requests to the Lord. Father, we do thank You for this building, which is just a building, but we use every part of it, it seems. Every week there's events going on almost every day, and we thank You for all that is done here for Your name. The ministry, the Bible studies that happen, the meetings, the care for children, the care for adults the kitchen, the hospitality, all that happens, Lord. We thank You for this and the building next door. We we even lift up Sunday school today as we have many children gathering just to hear about the beauty of Jesus. So Lord, we know that this is a building and buildings You've given us. These are resources that we want to care for. We thank You for the many hands that help in serving and caring and upkeeping As the building gets older and older, we still want to use it for Your glory. We thank You for this grounds, the land. I'm grateful that we have a great place right here on SS where even the city the last year and then coming up here May 14th, we're going to have a safety fair where the parking lot will be filled with ambulance, police department, sheriff's department, the helicopter will come, and all the school kids will be coming to this building just to hear about safety and the bike fair, and just we, we want to use this for Your glory, Lord. Lord, we lift up the requests that we have in our church. Lord, I just pray for the Dostal family. I pray for Matt and Margie Peterson as they have lost their father and they've grieved through this, but also, Lord, we ask that You would bring their family to You, Jesus. In the midst of this, we... We knew the time would come, but I pray that You would be glorified. as They've had the funeral, and, and it seems that's done, but still You're working in their family. And I pray that You would bring comfort to them. We pray. We also ask that You be with loved ones that are sick here in the church. We are grateful that, uh, that You are healing God. And Lord, this week I got sick for just a day and I wasn't feeling well and kind of wiped me out. And It was a great reminder that I need to be dependent on You for strength. 
to sustain me. Lord, we also lift up some of the grandchildren in our church that have walked away from You. Lord, bring them back to You. And Lord, some of those grandchildren have never seen You, seen the beauty of You. We ask by Your Spirit You would do Your work in their hearts. And we pray for the grandparents that that earnestly pray that they would not give up praying for their grandchildren. That they would find ways to be a light to them. Lord, we praise You for some of the healings that You've been doing even within cancer. Touching people. We praise You for that. We, we praise You for just what You're doing, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we praise You for this past weekend. We'll hear more about it in the next couple of weeks. Just the, the youth event that happened here this weekend. We just pray that the seeds would just grow deep into the junior high, middle school, youth group hearts. We had two youth groups gathering together here. We just thank You for that event. We pray You would just grow deep in their hearts. May they continue to yearn for righteousness, hunger for it, and follow You in Your Word. Lord, we have also many unspoken requests. There are things in our hearts that are very hard. We ask that You just move in our church family. Lord, we are Your vessel to be used by You in any way. May You be magnified and glorified in all things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. It is so good to pray. Well, it is Palm Sunday. The beginning of Holy Week. The beginning of what we celebrate as Christians as the great week in and I'll kind of allude to this now, but I'll speak about this in my message. You know, every Sunday, every day is a day to magnify the Lord and thank Him and praise Him. And it's not just Holy Week. It's not just Easter Sunday or Palm Sunday. Later, at the end of my message, we'll hand out some of these palm branches and we'll, we'll sing Hosanna and all that. But every day is a day to thank God for His great salvation. I'm just going to read out of Matthew chapter 21 here. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed him. Jesus now is going to Jerusalem. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks and also on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them along the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, this is Matthew 21, shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means save us. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered. Listen to their answer. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So Palm Sunday is the day that we remember this great day. His tribal entry as He enters Jerusalem and the, the crowds ask who don't know what's going on, who is this? But the answer they gave, this is Jesus, the prophet. Well, if He's just a prophet, then why are they saying, Hosanna. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Why are they saying these 
prophetic statements about a prophet. Prophets speak of the Messiah. Is he worthy to be worshipped in such a manner where they cut branches and lay them down and say, Hosanna? Who truly is this Jesus? Is he worthy to be worshipped? Is he this Messiah? Is he more than just a prophet? We are in the book of Mark. We're taking a year and a half going through the book of Mark. Looking at Mark through the lens of with Christ in the school of discipleship. And we're primarily focusing on two aspects. Messiahship and discipleship. In the first chapter, the first two chapters, and in the third, it's heavy on Messiahship like today. And then soon we'll get into more discipleship. Who really is Jesus? And Mark makes it clear who Jesus is. He truly is the Messiah. He truly is worthy of worship. And today, Palm Sunday, we will look at our passage, Mark, as we're going through Mark, and see that Mark teaches us that life is not about rules and regulations, but about the One who rules over the rules. And because of that, He is so worthy of worship. So let's take a moment and get our hearts ready and pray before we get into the Word of God. Lord, I do thank You for Your Word. It is precious. It is good. It is sweeter than honey. More precious than gold. And Lord, I pray as You speak to us through this passage that You would help us Convict us. Orientate our minds and hearts and desires to You. Because You truly are worthy of worship. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're in this section here. Mark 2, 23-28. The last part of Mark 2. And here we have another collision, another problem which Jesus is doing His work, which isn't a problem, but the religious, the righteous, who people think are righteous, they have a problem with Jesus. The religious establishment seems to have a problem. We have five paragraphs in a row here in Mark. Just one after another where Jesus is doing something and the religious establishment has a problem with Jesus. And it's interesting that those who people think and say that, oh, that's a righteous man. I mean, even in your mind, kind of think of, who would you say, oh, that, that, that person is a righteous man or a righteous person. Here, those who consider them to be the righteous, who almost act like they're better than others, they're holier than thou, they act kind of mighty and kind of pompous, they're the ones who are kind of saying, well, it ought to be this way, and what's not, they get stirred. And this is what's happening again when Jesus is doing something. So, I'm in Matthew here. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as His disciples walked, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? 
It's interesting, Jesus, again, crowds are gathering around Jesus. As He's teaching, as He's preaching, people are following. But also the Pharisees and the scribes are there too. Remember that they were in the, in the room and the roof got up. They're the ones sitting, trying to figure everything out. And even as Jesus is walking the grains, they're kind of watching and they see them picking and eating. Now the Sabbath, we're going to talk about the Sabbath here. The Sabbath was established by God as a time of worship and rest. It was a sign of the covenant. It was a great sign of the covenant that God made with His people. I will be your God. You will be My people. And one of the signs of that was the Sabbath. That would be for us the Saturday. On that day is a special day where you devote everything to the Lord. You don't even work. You don't do much. And this was a sign of the covenant. The Sabbath was meant to benefit people and strengthen them physically and spiritually. Special day for them. The Sabbath was served to renew them. Spiritually refresh the body and soul. Wish we had every day like that. Well, we'll see that here in a moment. That every day should be like that. One aspect of the Sabbath was to abstain from work. No work. The Sabbath. And the Pharisees, again, they were respected as these saintly people who, know, who knew the law. They were pious and kind of righteous and religious, kind of self-righteous. And they were kind of like honored in the ordinary people's eyes. And they were very eager to obey God's law and also make sure others obeyed the law. Here's the problem. They understood the law very well. Yet in their eagerness, they wanted to make sure that they were right, but also, oh, I'm going to make sure you do it right also. To guarantee that no one violated the Sabbath, they developed a large list called the Oral Law their understanding of the Torah, of the regulations that were written. So they had the oral law. This is what the Bible says. And sometimes it wasn't really clear. The Bible would just be very vague on something, but they were like, well, it's vague. So we're to make sure that we write many oral laws of the written law. They had rabbinic literature. And some of these rules were good. For instance, We've got this picture here. The Jewish Law Review. So here is, um, pull this out here. This is all their written laws that they would have. Some of them were good. So some of them were like, hey, what happens when you find some money on the ground? Don't put it in your pocket for a pizza party, okay? Maybe find out who lost this or use it for someone's benefit. How do you follow the law? So some of them were good. But other types became very long. And this became a huge checklist of right and wrong. So here is my copy of the Mishnah, which they have many, many rules. And there is a section here just on the Sabbath. Just on the Sabbath. Forbidden acts. What classifies as work and what doesn't? Now again, back in the time of Jesus, to start a fire, it was a lot of work. So they would study the Old Testament law and try to determine, okay, this is, you know, don't work, but what about a fire to cook a meal? They didn't have microwaves where you just go beep and it would start. It would mean gathering wood, breaking it down, getting, you know, getting, lighting a match, getting stuff going. How, 
That's a lot of work. So then they began to begin to add the oral law, which is written out. It's just amazing some of the things we've got written in here. On a Sabbath, one could work primarily to save a life. If someone was going to die, yeah, work to save a life. But other than that, no work. Here's a few examples of what you could or could not do. Tie a knot. If it could be able to be untied with one hand. Because if two hands, that's too much work. Seriously. Writing more than one letter of the alphabet would break the Sabbath. Man! One letter. In fact, if, if you look at the Hebrew language, they don't even have vowels. So they just have consonants. So that, I, mean, it's just, I mean, that's easy for them. Just one letter. Wow! Open umbrella. Clipping your nails. Squeezing an orange to make juice is a Sabbath violation. So the problem was this. Rules, rules, rules. I don't want to read through this book. And when I read through many of these, there's like 39 main titles within the Sabbath. And in each of those 39, there's tons of little things to make sure you do it the right way. Imagine coming to church and I'm like, ah, you're not dressed right. Your tie's not tight enough. I don't even wear a tie, okay, you know? Your shirt's got a little wrinkle in it. Oh, you shouldn't be wearing that to church. Oh, make sure you enter this way and sit and be quiet. I mean, just they had all these rules and regulations, and they were so caught up, not just in the Sabbath, but in making sure other people did it the way they wanted. They ought to do it. Then what compounded the problem is they made sure people did it the way they saw. Not only thinking it, but they made sure and spoke of it, people must do it this way. As seen here in verse 24. Look, take a look at it. It says, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? In Deuteronomy 23, verse 25, plucking the heads of grain is allowed. Guess what? If you're hungry, you can pluck if you don't get you know, the big combiner out and take up some farmer's field. But if you're homeless, if you're hungry, if you need some food, yeah, it's okay to get some grains. But how dare they do it on the Sabbath? And they're traveling. They're walking. They're spending energy. Oh, they're in trouble. But aren't the Pharisees also following them? So they're, okay. The problem was the Sabbath became more about rules than worship. Rules over worship. They charged Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. But really, they're charging Jesus of breaking their interpretation of the Sabbath. Does Jesus break the Sabbath? I don't think so. Because we'll see He's Lord of the so he's a fulfillment of that. So they charge him of breaking the Sabbath. Well, rather, their understanding of it. Jesus never broke the Sabbath. He broke their legalistic views of the Sabbath. Broke them. And the Pharisees are angry about the carelessness of Jesus to the law. So they're angry. Oh, but Jesus is saddened by their hard hearts. Their unwillingness to see the purpose of the Sabbath. So here's a key concept we can learn from Jesus. 
in this conflict with the religious people, Jesus attacks the problem, not the person. Now as a disciple, we need to learn how Jesus deals with conflict. He doesn't attack the person. He attacks the problem. And Jesus rejects this this stiff-hearted hardness of the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. Look at verse 25. He answered, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which was lawful only to the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus now defends his eating of the grains and his disciples eating the grains by going to an Old Testament passage. So I got it up on the screen here. Part of it comes from 1 Samuel 21. So David is being pursued by King Saul. King Saul wants to kill David. So David and his companions have been on the road. They're running. They're hiding. And they're hungry. David answered the priest. The king sent me on a mission and said to me, give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there's some consecrated bread here. So the priest gave him the consecrated bread. When David was fleeing, he was hungry. And now, at this time, he gets to the place, it's on the Sabbath, he's like, we, we ha- we're hungry, we need some food. And the priest's like, you know what, we don't have any normal bread. And what they would do, they have 12 loaves of consecrated, set-apart bread. And what they would do is they'd set that aside only for the priest to eat. He's like, all of our bread is gone, but we have this special bread that on the Sabbath they would replace and reserve only for the priest. And what the priest did, he said, you're hungry, I'm going to give you this special bread. Here David broke and violated the law since only the priests were able to eat this. And special bread. Yet, in this passage and throughout the Old Testament, God never judged David or punished the priest for it. Jesus uses this example to show a deeper principle. The problem was that the Pharisees got it wrong in seeing that the commandments as an end to themselves. Here's the commandment, and that's what I just need to do. Fulfill the commandment. I'm going to do it all as best as I can, and I'm good. They saw it as an end in themselves and not seeing them for their original purposes. So much time was analyzing, trying to nitpick every aspect. And this is, this is a modern one. I'm sure probably, they probably added more to this. They were so nitpicky and looking at every little fine detail. They were analyzing the lesser commands of the law instead of the important ones. Or as in Matthew 23, as Jesus dealing with this and their interpretation of the law, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You're analyzing these, these rules and regulations and you're missing out the purpose of the law. And the purpose of the many laws, there's 613 laws written in the Old Testament. And the purpose of the laws are shown in three areas. Let me share these three areas. Number one, to provide for the people. These laws were given, number one, to provide. 
The Sabbath was very practical. Everyone needs rest for the body and soul. You cannot keep going day after day after day without rest. The Sabbath principle is very practical to provide and to remind you that God is in control of your time. It's good to stop and rest. God is in control of your time. In Genesis, the creation account became a sign of God's redemptive goal for humanity. It's good to have a day to rest your body and spiritually focus on the Lord. It's very practical to provide for people. Number two, to protect people. Mankind is sinful. And if you look through the laws, the 613, I mean, some are just for the priests, some are for foreigners, some are for household codes and stuff. Many of these are to protect, to keep people from violation of God and with others. How do you keep right relationship with God? Well, here's some laws that we have for you. Here's some rules to help govern even within your friendships in your neighborhood. Just as today, we have laws that protect people from harm. One of the rules that's very good to have in your household, don't play with matches. How many like that rule? Don't laugh. Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, yeah. Don't play with matches. It protects you and your children and your household. Many of the rules were like that. So to provide, number one, and to protect. So these first two reasons are what Jesus talks about in the next verse. Take a look at verse 27. Then He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a gift given by God to us. It's a gift to serve mankind. So the Sabbath was to serve mankind. The law, the Sabbath, was not to become a master over people, not to harm them, but to serve them. Having a list of extra outside of the Bible rules, having a document to say, oh, you better do it this way, this can keep people hungry, literally, and spiritually hungry from worshiping the Lord. That's not what God intended. He gave His laws to bless us. Not to give us a series of rules so complex and hard that keep us from Him. If the Sabbath keeps you, and your interpretation of the Sabbath keeps you from God, you're missing out. What is more important? Rules or people? People are more important. And that's what the Pharisees didn't get. What's more important? Life or death? Oh, someone's going to die. Just let them die. They're hungry. Oh, too bad. They don't have a job. Too bad. They're abusing the system. Oh, just let them suffer. What's more important? Who needs help? How can we provide for the overall well-being of others? God gave the law to help people to show love and mercy. And that's what Jesus says. Guess what? Don't use the Sabbath to break people. Feed people. The Pharisees saw obedience to the letter of the law easier than having the spirit of the law. And they were messed up 
The Sabbath was to be a day of rest and worship, not a source of rules over other people. Again, I'm not against rules and regulations. Some of them are to provide and protect, right? But when you use them to rule over people and keep hindering people from worshiping, you've got a problem. And Christian history shows us we're just like the Pharisees. And not picking on my background, but let me get a little drink here. I remember when I was a little kid in Appleton, Wisconsin, I went to a Christian school. A little Baptist school. We had amazing rules. My hair could not touch my ears. When I left, you should see my mullet. It covered my ears, right? <clears throat> Wednesdays, you had to wear a tie. I didn't like that. So I took, maybe you ladies know what I'm talking about. My mom had this measuring thing that was cloth to do like clothing, like the cloth. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? I used that as a tie once. I got a demerit. Then I complained about it. Then I got a detention. It was a tie, but it wasn't their type of tie. Beware of the loyalty to rules that can outweigh the concern of people. Little side note. When I was in college, I wrote a little document. I never published it, or I showed one of my teachers once. They're like, oh, this is really. It was called What If? Had all these little chapters, little sections. What if this? What if this? Here's one of them. What if Jesus came in person today, walked by every church in your town, and came up to your church and said, you're the Pharisees of today. And in your heart you go, no He wouldn't. Well, maybe that's a sign you would be the right? Beware of the loyalty to rules that can outweigh the concern for people. Having rules for religion's sake is slavery Galatians chapter 4 Colossians chapter 2 having regulations and rules for religion's sake is slavery don't do it so again there's three reasons why the law to provide healthy relationships to protect us and the third reason for the laws. And this is the beauty of it. To point people to Jesus. Provide, protect, and point. Listen to this out of Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And we took two years looking at Christ in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a big signpost pointing to the reality. To Jesus. The Sabbath look forward with anticipation and celebration to the coming of the Messiah and the final rest. The Sabbath is fundamentally bound up with God's purpose of redemption found in the Messiah. And the laws point to Jesus. And this third reason is what Jesus focuses on on the last part of this section. So take a look at verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
Provide, protect, and point to Jesus. Jesus is going, guess what? The Sabbath is all about me. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now the phrase Son of Man shows up 15 times in Mark, so we'll deal with what that phrase means connected with Daniel another time. Here Jesus states His authority and status. He's the Messiah. He's above all things. He's the one who rules over the rules. Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. And Jesus knows the Sabbath is a prophetic action of Himself and His work. He controls the Sabbath. He has all authority of the Sabbath. And He fulfills the Sabbath as prophesied and as a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And to fulfill means to answer it. To be a realization of it. To show the true meaning of it. And Jesus said in Matthew 11 that He is their rest. So another aspect of this Sabbath controversy here is found in Matthew 11. Where He's got a Sabbath problem they're dealing with in Matthew 11 in the middle and then in chapter 12. And right at the end of 11, He says, guess what? I'm your Sabbath rest. Come to Me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And here, yeah, there's physical rest, but he's mainly not talking about physical rest. He's talking about spiritual rest. There's nothing about taking a vacation, go to sleep, it's nap time with Jesus. It's not even really about keeping the Sabbath because he's fulfilled the Sabbath. Jesus offers true rest to our weary souls. The Sabbath points to Jesus. So let me finish with three thoughts. First and foremost, this is important. Mark chapter 2, the end here. This is not a story about finding a loophole in Sabbath regulations. This is not about if you're a Jewish person going, oh, here's all the regulations. Let me find some way around so I can get a fire going without, or I'll have someone else clip my, my nails. This passage is not about finding a loophole around the Sabbath regulations and the oral law that was given. This is not a story about how to bypass the law and get away with all things. Well, Jesus fulfilled all the law, so I don't have to follow any law now. You know, it's not a story about finding practice in Old Testament for eating on the Sabbath. Well, we'll see later in Mark that Jesus says all food is clean, so guess what? I'm just going to eat McDonald's 24-7 or get away with things. The surrounding paragraphs in Mark, again, there's five in a row here, are not about the wrong done by doing good, healing a man, healing a hand, healing someone who's paralyzed, because that's what the Pharisees are like. Look at all the wrong that Jesus is doing. You can't do it this way. Here's what's happening in this passage and what Jesus is saying. This is all about Jesus, the Messiah. And He's worthy to be worshipped. He's greater than David, the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom. Because He said, guess what David did? And it was okay. Guess what? I'm greater than David because I'm the one that David pointed to. He's greater than the temple. He's the fulfillment of the temple. He is the Messiah, the one worthy to be worshipped in Palm Sunday, every Sunday, and every day. 
Get rid of your mindset about this is the way the Sabbath should be done. Now let's worship Him all the time. So first and foremost, this is all about Jesus. And again, I, hindsight, you know, we've titled our series in Mark with Christ in the school of the discipleship. I wish I would have just called it the beauty of Jesus. Every paragraph is the beauty of Jesus. Out of this comes my second thought. Rest in the work of Jesus. If you're like me, and Westerners have a problem with this, Eastern mindset and thought and culture is everything is really connected. And, and just everything, even the way they do religion, is everything's connected. Where Westerners, we like to put everything in different compartments and just work for things and get things done. We like to use our minds because we're bright and we think that way and we're we're smarter than people. We like to work it out. Rest in the work of Jesus. He is greater than the Sabbath because He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Don't in disbelief try to work out your own peace, your own rest, and your own salvation. Enter into God's rest found in Jesus and cease from your own works and find rest through faith in the realization of Christ's work for us. He did it. I don't have to. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, brings rest and satisfaction that not even the Old Testament Sabbath could bring. Because doing all of this Physically, maybe you might be restful, but in your soul, you are weary and tired. And Jesus brings true rest to the soul. Jesus has opened the way for His people into God's heavenly rest. Hebrews chapter 4. Read it sometime. We now have this spiritual heavenly rest in Christ. The physical rest of the Old Testament has become the salvation rest of the true Sabbath in Christ. Hold on to Jesus. Take His yoke, as He says in Matthew 11. He is that great rest. And to experience God's Sabbath rest is to cease from your own works and trying to say, God, am I good enough? Here, I'll do this so you can love Me more. God, I can work out My salvation so you'll approve of Me. Trust in Christ. Seek to be justified by His work, not yours. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And a little side note here, I have in my Bible here somewhere, maybe I don't, but I've got a handout for you. It's not the one that dropped there. I have a handout. It's somewhere. Where I talk about why we as Christians don't worship on the Sabbath why we worship on the Sunday. And maybe, maybe you've ever wondered, why, why don't we worship on the Sabbath? Why on Sunday? Well, it's because of what we're celebrating next week. Easter. And in the Bible, that's what happened in the book of Acts. They didn't gather on the Sabbath. They worshiped on the first day celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So there's a handout on both tables out there. So grab that. Sorry, I don't have that here. I was going to hold it up here. It's somewhere. Why we worship on the Sabbath. Little handout. 
So number one, this is all about Jesus. Number two, rest in Jesus. And the last one, celebrate Jesus by helping people. Showing God's love and mercy daily. Physical rest is needed. Trust me, I was sick this week and for a day and a half, you know, not eating food or not eating anything. I'm just like, oh, I'm weary. Needed to rest. But I would encourage you, look for ways to labor for God. In fact, one, I respect the theologian very well. He says, get his, his opinion is this. Because Jesus has fulfilled the Sabbath and we now celebrate Him. He's our Passover Lamb. He's the fulfillment of it. He doesn't abolish the laws. He's not saying boo-hoo to them, but those point to Jesus. You know, provide, protect, and point to Christ. He said, now the Sabbath is a day to work for God. I'm like, that's why I preach on Sundays. Right? Okay. He's going, no, all Christians instead of resting, just go labor for the kingdom. Every day is a day to celebrate. And you'll see that in my hand.